If you'll take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, this is our second week into our study as we begin to unpack this passage. And so this morning we're going to be looking at specifically verses uh, 3 through 10. Now, if we're honest, all of us would recognize that uh, mankind was made to worship. We can see that all around us. We worship many things, whether it be in pop culture, um, whether it be in sports, uh, whether it be in politics. We find that people worship things, but specifically, we were created to worship the God of the Bible, for he is the one who gives us the reason for praise. Now, we're going to be looking this morning, and I do think that this is what we have before us, is an extended prayer from Paul. And so the extended prayer comes from verse 3 uh, four through 14, the first section, and that's a prayer of adoration or praise. And then the second part of the passage, verses 15 through 23, is a prayer of intercession. Now, in the Greek, if you go back to the Greek, you will find that verses 3 through 14 in our Bible is actually one sentence in the Greek. And so what Paul is doing is adding a phrase upon phrase upon phrase of why we should praise our God. And he keeps heaping up, and specifically in three different sections, he looks at the praise of the Father in verses uh, 4 through 6. We look at Jesus, the praise of the Son, 7 through 10, which is where we'll stop this morning. And then 11 through 14, the Holy Spirit, how he applies. So it's praise to the Trinity that we come to worship. And so I want us to, to see this. So I'm going to read actually 3 through 14, but we're only going to study 3 through 10 this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purposes which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Quite a sentence. So we're going to try to unpack it and, and see exactly what Paul was communicating to us. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, this is your word, so you want to change us. You want to change our character. You want to change our conduct. You want to reorient our lives to make sure that you are the most important thing. And so, Father, let us have ears to hear and hearts to understand, and that we might apply this word to our lives. 
and that we would say with the Apostle Paul that you are the greatest thing to ever happen. To you we give all praise and glory, for it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look at is uh, verse 3. Now again, this is a prayer of praise, a prayer of adoration. Now, our understanding should be that as we study doctrine, doctrine leads to doxology. Now, what does that mean? That means that as we study the truth of God's word, and if we study it rightly, then it leads to us responding in praise. Praise to God for the things that he has done. And what he says is we have spiritual blessings in Christ. Now, what he's not saying is he's not saying, I'm coming to give you all material blessings. He doesn't say, I'm coming to give you great homes, great careers, great political systems. He's not saying that the the material is unrelated to the spiritual. And so what Paul's doing for us here is he's putting our, our focus on the spiritual blessings that we receive in Christ. Now, as such, we need to recognize that the word that you use here, blessed, is a past tense. We are blessed in Christ. It's not we will be blessed in Christ. It's we are blessed now. And it's a present reality. So even though it's past tense, it's, it's a present reality that we should fully realize. Now, let me give you an illustration. This came from uh, Brian Chapel, And Brian Chapel uh, is now the um, moderator of our denomination, uh, kind of stepping into that role. But he was the covenant of seminary, uh, uh, the president of covenant seminary at one time. Um, great guy. And he was talking about he and his family used to go to the same cabin every year for vacation. And so they knew the area and they went out on a walk one day and it started getting a little late. And as darkness began to to fall, he started to not go to the trail, but he started to cut through the woods thinking that he could get back uh, to the cabin pretty quickly. Well, what he found out after walking for a few hours is that he was no longer seeing the trail and he didn't recognize any of the woods. And so he started getting a little nervous and it was getting a little colder and the kids were starting to look at their dad inquisitively. And he was just about ready to stop and to say, we're lost and things are bad. When he turned around to talk to the children, he saw the light of the cabin. And at that moment, calm filled his heart. I want you to to take that application to who we are and how we're blessed in Christ. Sometimes when we take our eyes off of Christ and put it on the things that's around us, we begin to lose focus. And I, as your pastor, am, am telling you very specifically, sometimes you need to turn off the news. Turn off talk radio. Get off social media and read the word of God. That's where the clearness of where our minds should be comes into focus. Because we realize and we have a calmness or we should have a calmness over our fears. 
because we should realize, and especially at that moment, of what the reality is, and we need to realize it, that we are blessed in Christ. And with that becomes confidence. We should be confident in this world. Listen, we are no different than the Ephesians. Listen, the Ephesians at this moment are still suffering from the world. They are having, if they have come to Christ, their family relations are broken. Some people find themselves in exile. Some people have had their property taken from them. Some have even died for the cause of Christ. So why is Paul talking to them and saying, I want you to understand that you're blessed? Because he's giving them encouragement like he's giving us encouragement to be confident and be courageous even when opposition comes against us. Listen to Psalm 118 verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We have to make sure that we're going back to the word, that we're keeping our eyes focused on where they need to be. And there's where we find our confidence because we are blessed in Christ. And so what needs to become our priority then? Well, I think Paul writes this because he needs for us like the people in Ephesus, to have a life reorientation. Because if we're honest, we do well at taking care of me. And what God is telling us is he says it needs to be from me to God. God should be the most important thing in our lives. God. Not my home, not my career, not my church. God needs to be the most important. Now, someone said this, God is God and you are not him. And we need to trust in that. We need to be encouraged in that. So every time that we go to the word, we need to be asking the question, what does this passage teach me about God? And when we look at the overarching understanding of verses 3 through 10 specifically, it's about God's glory. It's about his honor. How do we live in such a way? Again, everybody can ask the question, what's the highest good in life? Everybody has an answer. But God gives us the right answer. He says our delight should be in God's glory above everything else. It should be praise in all things. Does that mean I'm a, I'm a mean pastor? I don't care about what you're going through? No. Do I care about the people that are struggling through physical ailments? Do I struggle with people who've lost their jobs? Do I struggle? Yes, we, all, we should all hurt together. But it doesn't mean that that becomes our priority. We should be asking the question, how is God glorified by what I'm doing, by what I'm saying, by what I'm thinking? How is he the most glorified? Because that really gets to the heart of the question. Again, I like I like sometimes legalism. Why? Because it's, it's a something that I can look to. If I sit here and go, well, you have to give 10%. Well, I know that number. Okay, and I can look at it and I can look and go, okay, does, I might have questions that go, well, is that, is that gross or net 10%? Well, that aside, I'm going to give 10% and I can look and say, okay, does this match up to my checkbook? But if I say, you give... 
in proportion to how God has given to you. Now what do you write in your checkbook? Maybe for some of you that's 50%. I know some people who live as an example who give 90% what they have back to the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that that's what I'm, I'm, I'm not making anybody feel guilty. But are we praying to God and saying, God, what is the most glorifying and honoring thing that I can do? What are you calling me to do? Because that's hard. 10%, that's easy. To say we have to read a chapter every day in the Bible, that's easy. When God says, come and spend time with me. How many hours of the day does that mean for you? See, we don't like that sometimes. At least I don't. I'll be honest. But God's coming. He says, Jeff, am I everything to you? Am I the most important thing to you? Because here's, here's how our, our, our shorter catechism starts. What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Are we doing that? Because that's where Paul is pressing us with this passage. And so what he does is he begins to, to break it up for us. Again, please understand, it's, a, it's one sentence. So we're, we're kind of grasping here of our punctuation, where we started sent, sentences for us and stopped and all that kind of stuff. But there is a sense where, where Paul goes through and he says, this is praise to the Father, praise to the Son, praise to the Holy Spirit. And the first section is praise to the Father in the verses 4 through 6. And so what he wants to say to us is God has to become first. He has to become first for us because he came first to us. See, it's an amazing thing that God loved us before the foundation of the world. He didn't love us starting at the cross. He didn't start us when he chose Abraham. He didn't start loving. He loved you before the foundation of the world. And there's nothing that we bring to the table. God loves us because he loves us because he loves us. And that should be assurance and should give us great hope. Because of that love, he comes to us first. And not only that, then Christ comes to us. No one seeks after Christ. He comes to us. And as Dave read for us earlier in John chapter 10, it, it, he is the good shepherd and he lays down his life for his sheep. And he says, I freely gave it. God didn't force Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus, because of his love for us, goes freely to the cross to ransom our lives so that we might become, what's the next section? Adopted. That's what he is doing. His love didn't start. So what's our response? Our response, according to the scripture, is we should be about holiness and blamelessness. Again, not to earn his love. Because we can't do that. And, and please, I want you to understand this truth. Because... It, I think, again, we get mixed up and we think that somehow we have to go and do things for God. We should be satisfied in Christ alone. Now, we do good works in response to 
to the love that he shared with us. We then share with others. But we never do anything to earn it. So our, our call after Christ has come to us, after we begin to understand the blessings, as we apply those blessings to us, as we fully realize it, then we do have the desire to be homely, holy, not homely, holy and blameless. And as we have that desire, our desire then does become, how do I glorify God in all ways? And we do that because we have our comfort. Oh, sorry, I haven't been doing this for you. I'll give you a second. God comes to us, response to God. All right, if you need it, let me know. But it brings us to a place of adoption. And adoption brings to us comfort. Comfort. See, this is a passage where many people come and they look at words like uh, before the foundation of the world, predestination, and they use it as a theology to beat each other up. Brian Chappell gives this quote, predestination is not a club. God's sovereignty, the message of God's love preceding our accomplishments and outlasting our failures was meant to give us a profound sense of confidence and security in God's love so that we will not despair in situations of great difficulty, pain, and shame. We don't take this doctrine to go and just to argue. We have the predestination of God, and we believe it so firmly, especially in this church, but it's not just so that we have a doctrine to say we're right about. It's a truth that God gives to us, and he says, I have so loved you before the foundation of the world that I call you my adopted children. I want you to know more than anything, you are loved by a heavenly Father who chose you and loves you in nothing of your own accord. That's an amazing gift. And we think, well, does that mean I have to wash the dishes so many times? How many times do I have to vacuum the floor? How many times do I have to go and give the gospel presentation? And God says, I love you because I love you because I love you. Now, if you want to vacuum the floor, teenagers... That's a good thing. But I guarantee you this, if you don't, it doesn't change your parents' love for you. How much more the Heavenly Father? So he comes and he brings us comfort, but he also gives to us the rights of children. Listen, we become the permanent part of the family of God. And we have to realize that. We really have to take that to heart. There's an illustration that one pastor gave of a person who bought a, a ticket on a ship down the Mississippi. And he spent all of his money on the ticket. And it was a multi-day trip, so he didn't have any money to, to go in. And so he didn't go into the dining hall. And so he had some cheese and some crackers. And every time that people would go to the dining hall, he would go off to a corner and he would begin to eat this little meager food. And one person stopped by one day and said, friend, come and join us in the, in the dining hall. And he's just like, I didn't have money to pay for the dining hall. And he said, look at your ticket. So the man pulled out his ticket and he says, what does it say at the bottom? All meals included. So this person had been sitting on the side eating his cheese and crackers for the majority of the, the voyage when he could have been eating the dining hall the whole time. 
That's sometimes how we deal with Christ. We, we really don't believe that we have his gift. We don't really believe that he has given us the co-heirship with Christ. You are a child of the God if you are a Christian. You are a child of the king. And I think sometimes we look at other people and go, well, that might be true of them, but that's not true of us. That's lies of Satan. We have the peace to know you should stand. We should stand proudly. I don't care who comes against us. Nobody can take away that you are a child of the king. What can man do to us? The worst thing, and again, I'm going to say this more and more, especially for those who listen to talk radio and are freaked out. The worst thing man can do to us is take our earthly lives. I'm going to, I'm going to give you this. It's going to happen anyways. That's the worst they can do. What no one can ever do is take away our blessedness in Christ. That's our hope. That's our vision. So we give praise to the Father, but we also give praise to the Son, verses 7 through 10. Now I want you to begin to to grasp and understand that the Son and the Holy Spirit are expressions of God's love. Do you get that? They're not part of bringing love to God. It's God's love to us and the expression of his giving his son, him giving the Holy Spirit to us. And he gives us his son for redemption. He comes to pay for our sin. And again, I want you to understand, sin is not just being bad. Sin is missing the mark, which means we can do good things for the wrong reasons. And so there's sin nature, which again, I'm very clear what Vody Bachman says. Our children, when they are born, are vipers and diapers. They don't have to learn to sin. It's part of their nature. But we also have our own individual personal transgressions. So Jesus had to come to redeem our sin and provide forgiveness to us. Now, this is a big thing for us to understand, the forgiveness, because it is like we sing. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. First um, Peter 1, 18 and 19 says this. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. Listen, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We can't buy off God. We can't circumvent the court system. God is perfectly just, perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, perfectly given. He gives to us Christ so that he might redeem us, but there's the cost. And the cost is the greatest cost that we can ever imagine, the death of his own son. And with costly grace, he calls us to a costly love for other people. So he redeems us, but then he also does something else for us. He reveals the mystery 
Now, when we talk about mystery, most of us think that it's, it's something that we're hidden and that somehow special people have to arrive. You know, when, if you go and look at uh, the TV shows, there's things out there like codes and conspiracies and secret societies and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's people out there that have special things and they have special knowledge. That's not what God's saying. You, God comes to us and he says, the mystery has been revealed. And what's the mystery? It's his redemption through Christ. Listen, I wear these and I hate these things. And you know that I've started to wear these more and more. So there's not a time that I'm not up here. But you know what? I put these aside and I go to a restaurant. And when I go to a restaurant, how do you think I look at that menu? I think, I think I'll have, and I can maybe pass off on what I order. The real problem comes when the bill comes. Dagnabbit. How small are these numbers? And then I have to trust my son or someone who's with me. Jameson, what, what does that say? What are those numbers? You ate how much? How much does that tip? Now, if I put my glasses on, I can see. That's what God's doing to us by revealing his redemption in Christ. He's telling us, put on your glasses. See the truth that I have given to you in regards to what Jesus Christ has done for you. And when we begin to understand that revelation, then he says that this comes from his merciful plan, his will. It's his revealed will to us. Let me again give you another illustration. There's Dr. Koistra, who at one time was a president of Covenant Seminary, but he became uh, the, the president of MTW, Missionaries uh, to the World. And so he found himself over in China. And he was speaking to the pastors in China. Now, communist China had taken over for a lot of the churches. And so they'd taken away. And one of the things that they did is they removed the book of Revelation out of the Bibles over there. Now, why is it important for us to have physical words and Bibles in our hands? Hmm. They took the book of Revelation away from the Chinese pastors. Now, I want you to understand, these are the pastors that were tortured. They were beaten. Many of them had had their property taken from them illegally. And some of their means had actually died. And as Dr. Koyster was talking to them, he began to open a passage and talked about Jesus coming back. At which point, one of the pastors stopped him and said, what did you just say? He said, Jesus is coming back. Where, where do you find that? It was written in the word of God. This was a pastor who had already been tortured for Christ and didn't even know that Christ was going to come back. He didn't have the grasp of the full gospel message and God comes to us and he's telling to us very clearly, God has revealed his will to us. It's for those who us are Christians and we understand and grasp the gospel message. It is an incredible gift. Kids, 
For those who have been raised in Christian homes and you've never had a day that you don't know about the gospel message, don't look at other people and say, oh, well, I wish I had times to do the things that they did. I wish I could have chosen to do these things and be bad for a little bit. See, God reveals his will to us so that we can have the confidence, so we can understand that we are blessed in Christ. And then when we understand that, we recognize that God's timing and his plans are perfect all the time. Why are we here in Melbourne at this point in time? Because God has called us to us. Why are we here during this political upheaval? Because God has called us to us. Is God made a mistake? No. Are we to be fearful? No. God has overcome. And so we are encouraged. We recognize that we are blessed and God works all things to his glory and our good. All the time, perfectly. So listen to what um, Ligon Duncan says about this. The Apostle Paul is telling us here that God's person... God's purposes came about at just the right place, at just the right time, in just the right way. And even as we must believe that about his grand plan of redemption, so we must believe that about his providence in our own lives. When the diagnosis of cancer comes, when the difficulty in home and family comes, when the problems at work come, when the reproach against your reputation comes, you must remember that God is working out his purposes for you in Christ for his glory and for your good. And the grace of being able to trust God's plan and timing is a life reorienting grace. To be able to believe God's sovereign superintendence, not only of the particulars of the plan of redemption, but of the whole of our lives. That is the great comfort in life. And that's what Paul's trying to get us to see. And he says... Not only is the misrevealed, but the, the last thing, he says that the rule of God will be done. Listen, the will of God will be done. It's what we pray, right? God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth like it's being done in heaven now. And he is going to be faithful to answer that prayer. And so when he says that to us, he says that he gives to us all things, all things that we need. How do we know that? Because Romans 8, 32 says this, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him for all us, for us all, sorry, a little Southern, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, all things, not some things, all things we find are the gift in Christ. And that's what he's been talking to us. Redemption, adoption, election, forgiveness, mercy, grace. Keep heaping upon heaping upon heaping the adjectives and the nouns and, and the, the, the theology. Keep heaping upon it because that's what we have to live in. And so we respond in praise because Christ is the head of all. And listen, everyone will acknowledge the lordship of Jesus Christ. Everyone, whether willingly or on their knees. Everyone is going to be either blessed or judged. 
We're either in Christ or we're in ourselves. So listen, this allows us then to respond by redeeming the whole of a life for the glory of Christ. And listen, how, listen to this when we um, have the opportunity, when um, McCartney gives us this opportunity, and I didn't get to get with him and stuff like that, but listen to the words that we sing at the end of our service. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Does it sound like this passage? Praise God. For from him all the blessings flow in life and the life to come. Praise him, every creature here below. Praise him above every heavenly host. And may we praise the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly, God, Heavenly Father, again, we thank you that we get to come to your word. Your word that you've given to us, the word that you gave to us in your son, Jesus Christ. But Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that applies that truth to us so that we might rightly begin to understand the mystery that truly has been revealed to us. And so, Father, as we still have time here in this place where you have set us, that we would go forth as people who are changed by the gospel, but see other people as harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd, who need the grace and the mercy of the gospel message freely given to them. And, Lord, may we preach that to ourselves so that we don't become self-righteous or think that we've earned a spot in heaven, but, Lord, that we would be continually brought to the ends of ourselves and cry out to you and praise you because you loved us before the foundation of the world. You loved us in the Son that you've given to us, and you loved us in the Holy Spirit. So, Father, may this prayer be our prayer. And may we give you all the glory and honor that you rightfully do. May you please reorient our lives so that you are the most important thing to us forever. For this we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, but we pray, pray it in the name of your Son, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen.